welcome to Comic Talkers, where comics are always top of our discussion. I'm Mary. And I'm Brandon. And we are back again with more of our Guardians of the Galaxy Month. We are starting today with our book club. Um, so we're going over Guardians of the Galaxy Legacy, which is the first six issues of the 2008 Guardians run. Yes. Um, just to give you guys a little synopsis on this quick before we jump into it, um, According to Amazon, launching out of Annihilation Conquest, Marvel's sci-fi heroes unite to protect the cosmos. Back-to-back -back Annihilation Wars have weakened the boundaries of our universe. Dark gods and monsters are seeping through the dark, the cracks, raining horror upon those still reeling from the recent calamities. In the face of terror, who stands to defend a desperate universe, Star-Lord and his squad of butt-kickers, the modern-day Guardians of the Galaxy. You heard that Annihilation Conquest rocks. The guy at the comic shop keeps telling you to try Nova. Well, now's your chance to experience the glory that writers Dan Abbott and Andy Lanning and artist Paul Pelletier can unleash. All this plus a wise cracking raccoon and a telepathic dog. Come on, people, time to lock and load collecting issues one through six of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So let's start with right away. What was your take before we jump into the story? Because this is what this was my number one on my top five list. Yes. And this was one of my honorable mentions in our top five. Um again, I'm not super fond of this particular lineup. Um <laughs> I like that Adam Warlock is there. Um and I love Cosmo, of course. Um it's hard to not love Cosmo. Um, but generally I'm not fond of the movie lineup. Um, I'm not super fond of this team. I do have to say, though, if you're going to read a Guardians book, you should read one by Dan Abnett. Um, so honestly, that was one of the main reasons I was excited for this was because he was writing it. So even if I wasn't super fond of the lineup, um, I was excited to see what he did with the lineup. See, and I know like we've talked about this, too, when we did our top five. It's one of those stories that I like, and it's not because of the movie lineup, because I actually didn't mind that a little bit because they were a little bit more serious in this story. Now, mm -hmm. you know, like in the Brian Mick, Michael Bendis runs, you see them more to their movie adaptations. Instead of being like Drax is more serious in this comic. You don't like when he tells you something, you know, he's going to do it. Gamora is more serious in this. Com There's a lot more factors into this. Plus, we get other characters like we've talked about. Um, Fela Bell. We also get Adam Warlock in this story. So there are some good additions to the team more than bad. But um, yes. I, but I guess a good way to start, I'll be doing the odd issues. There's six issues that we're going to be covering. Mary will be doing all the evens. So let's jump right into it with issue number one. And don't you just love it when Star-Lord comes up and says, that didn't go so badly for our first mission. And of course, what he's talking about is he's going over, He's they're pretty much facing off against a couple cardinals from the Universal Truth or Church of Truth, as this creature pretty much states out, burn the unbelievers. So, of course, they're going right into action, pretty much defeating all these guys that stand in their way. Um, and uh, for a little bit of context, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Universal Church of Truth, um, it's kind of essentially space Catholicism with a matriarch. And, and <laughs> two, we're going to see one of our characters on this team used to have a connection to this. So... We, we will get to that. Very soon. big connection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but all of them are in chaos right now at this point, trying to face off against these, against these Cardinals. And the next person, see, this is why I say I love this story more because you get their debriefs after the mission. 
And they all kind of intervene, kind of give you more of a summary of what's going down. Um, Fela Bell is the next one. Now, Fela Bell, for anybody who does not know, is Quasar um, at this point in time. And she even states that she doesn't even think this team would work, that these are all strong-willed characters, each of their own, each with their own agenda. But their leader, Star-Lord, was just determined to make this work, that there needed to be a Guardians team to help protect the people. So this is where we kind of have a little flashback two weeks ago before what's going on. Um, at this point in time, they're with Nova. It's Fela Bell and Star-Lord. It's with Nova, or with Nova. And of course, um, after the events of Annihilation Conquest, Nova Corps is pretty much ultimately destroyed. And Nova, the main Nova, is the only one, really, one of the only Novas standing at this point. Uh, and of course, there's concerns about who's really going to protect the universe at this point in time. And Peter was the one that kind of mentions that there needs to be a team. And and he states it like this. So Richard Ryder um, comes into play and he asks, what do you mean, Peter? Like, what, what's going on? Why are you thinking about this team? And Peter states this. First, it was Annihilus. Then the freaking Fanlex, which is, of course, controlled by Ultron at this point in time. We've been through two huge wars and rapid secession. Both times, we just threw together what we had and improvised. I'm talking about being ready for the next one. In fact, I'm talking about something that will stop the next one before it even happens, and the next one and the one after that. And Quasar is there with him, and of course, she questions him, saying, you're suggesting what, a peacekeeping force? He, Peter interrupts her and states, I'm suggesting an ass-kicking force. Tough, elite, ready to deploy the instant anything flies, towards the fan because i don't believe the galaxy can take another hit like the last two and you know what was it richard Ryder kind of comes out and he says a proactive force do those even work and he states you know pretty much there is support because at this point peter just feels like we need to make this team to help out the novas are still rebuilding everything at this point somebody's got to stay on top of things and so Faye LaBelle actually is really one of his first teammates. She is the first one to agree with him. Now, we turn back to what's going on. And at this point in time, too, they're still trying to figure out a name for the team. And they're doing this while they're in combat. And Rocket comes out, says, ass kickers are the fantastic. And he goes, of course, no. He goes, how about Rocket Raccoon and his human hangers on? I, I just love the team names that they're coming up. And then Drax joins. Uh, how about Drax and his coonskin hat? Yeah. <laughs> that grab you? <laughs> it's just, that's why I said I love Drax more in this than I do in the movies. And Warlock interrupts and says, listen, I would appreciate it if the team could stay a little bit more focused on the matter at hand. And Gamora's sitting there. Now, Gamora does have a connection to Warlock. And a lot of people forget about this. Um, that's how I was first introduced to Gamora is in Infinity Gauntlet. And Ooh. yeah, I never really knew about her or Warlock a lot. And I read this and I remember I was like, that's Gamora? I didn't think that was who it was. And But she has a deeper connection to him more than we realize. And of course, she's the one that kind of says, this isn't really a team at this point. It's just more like a clubhouse. 
and then her debrief comes up. I don't know what made me say that we have a clubhouse. At least we didn't call it a clubhouse. That would be unbearable. And they start going towards the ship or goes more and towards the ships, taking out more and more people. Um, it's also interesting, too, because Peter even says, everyone do as Adam says, shut up and move with a purpose. Yes. Um, and that starts something that we see throughout this entire comic where Quill is technically the leader, but anytime they're in combat, he's like, hey, listen to Adam. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, we see their ship as they go in towards a, uh, what was it, a fizzer that's going on in the universe at this point in time. Um, but we do have another flashback. And this is the first time we see Rocket. It shows how Peter convinces Rocket. Now, Rocket and Quill have had a good relationship from before. And when asked this, he feels that Peter's being too hard on himself, that everything that's happened is not his fault. It's, you know what, what happened, happened. You need to stop being hard on yourself. So when he pretty much asked Rocket to be part of the team, Rocket says, I'll do it, but you need to stop beating yourself up. That's the only way you're going to get me to join the team. And, and he goes, this is a one-time offer. Take it or leave it, and let's get more drinks while you decide. Um, now, we come back to the fight. And Peter kind of comes up and he says, his gun, of course, deactivates or it's not working right. And he goes, I could really use a gun. And this Quasar sends off another or pretty much powers his weapon and goes, not my usual brand. Where are all these loose extra loonies coming from? He says, I'm going to say eBay. Rocket goes. And he goes, how did you hear about eBay? And, of course, he questions, where's Adam? And he goes, he blasted it on ahead with green amines. And why wouldn't I know about eBay? Where do you think I got my collector's edition of Beaches? I, I just laugh with Rocket in this story, but and he goes, Ad, and, he, and Quasar continues on and says, Adam said something about time being up. Then we have his debrief with Adam Warlock, and he states, I don't know if this team will work or not. All I know it is, all it is it must. Time is critical. I see clearly now why I've been reborn. We haven't got long years if we're lucky, months if we're not. It's all about space, you see, and its weaknesses. So this is not the original Adam Warlock. Yes. Um, the original one, naturally, based on being reborn, has perished. Mm -hmm. um, and this is now a different Adam Warlock, so much like this is also a different Drax. Right. Yes, that's a good point to bring up because this is not your normal, because what was it? It was Drax the Pacifist. Drax the Pacifist, and now this is Drax the Destroyer. Yes. Created as a clone of Drax the Pacifist to be useful in war. Right. Now, of course, he is leading Gamora and Drax into the battle a little bit more, um, and he states, the control deck's got to be this way. We seize the helm. We can swing the temple ship away from the fissure. Follow me. And they go into the temple part of it all. And he says, Drax goes, okay, Warlock, what the hell is this about? And Warlock states, these are faith generations supplying the temple ship's font. The church is powered by faith. It literally soaks up the belief of, the, of its worshipers and converts it, to, converts it into energy. And when Drax questions belief in what, Warlock states life, which is ironic because of a power reserver of this magnitude enters the fissure the result 
will be the antithesis. Now, come on. And of course, he's questioning what is the antithesis, you know, and can't he use basic words to describe things? Um, and Gamora says, I don't know. He's not the warlock I used to know. Then again, you've changed two drags. And we get Drax's first debrief. And he states, I got nothing to say. We almost died. I saw a bright light. There was nobody in it I wanted to see. And this is where we see Quasar is the one that inducts or brings him to the team. Now, how does he do it? He's sending at the grave site of his daughter, which is we all know and love as Moondragon. Now, she has died in the recent events with Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest. And Quasar comes up to him and pretty much consoles him. Even though he doesn't want it, she understands. Moondragon was a friend of hers too. And and even Drax regrets not having a great father-daughter relationship with her. And so, of course, Quasar comes up and says, you know, you were created to destroy Thanos, and you did. Now you have no purpose, but I think I can offer you one. And Drax, of course, I'm a liability, a stone-cold killer. No one ever keeps my company long, not even my own flesh and blood. And Quasar states, well, let's find out how long we can put, put up with you. And he's that's how he's inducted into the team. Now, at this point in time, the temple ship is going more into the Fizzer. Um, and they all gather, or Warlock, Drax, and Gamora do get to the main area of the ship to try to take down the ship or try to steer it away before it's too late. And at this point in line, in time it's somewhat too late at this point um what was it now all the character all the people that were a part of this kind of temple teleported out they don't want to be around there they're just going to continue letting the ship go we're going to leave and warlock notices that they've abandoned all their better believers have left and gamora comes back on with her debrief then I said, can we leave too? Because I don't want to be standing here in five minutes time. Now, clearly I was joking. I'm completely committed to the team. Yay, go team, you see? And this is where we see who recruits her. And it's Nova. Now, Nova's not on the team at this point in time. No, Rich isn't on the team yet. But he also has a good connection to Gamora. And... At this point in time, he convinces her to join the team that, you know what, there is purpose for you. Just as kind of like the same way Quasar went up to Drax, as that there is good in you, that you can do good things. It's a matter of finding that purpose and being a part of a team. Now, we turn back to the team. They all finally connect at the temple, or the main part of the temple, and they start seeing this little portal pop up. And what comes out of it is this big octopus kind of monster. I don't even want to call it an octopus. It looks like a brain. It's like Krang from Ninja Turtles met an octopus. And they had a baby. And a really With a lot of mouths. Yeah. <laughs> Rocket's debrief comes back on. And he says, oh, I thought, geez, Louise, that ain't from around here. Um, 
of course, Adam is the one that, with of course, with the help of the Guardians, is the one that pushes them back with Quasar. Leave it to those two to do pretty much do everything while the other ones just stand and look um, at this point in time. And they are able to get the monster back in there and on top of it, um, able to destroy the ship as well before it hits the fizzer. Now, of course, Quasar comes on with her debrief and states, Rocket blew up the font. Adam and I absorbed and released energy and used it to actually drive the the whatever it was back to where it came from. It wasn't the tidiest bit of disaster prevention, but you know what? Saving the universe isn't an exact science, and this is all still pretty new to us. We turn back to the team five days after this event, uh, or after the Phalanx um, conquest. What's interesting, and this is why I want to see how you thought about this, it's the whole team that recruits Warlock, not just one person. What was your take on that, like, when that was going on? It pretty tracks. He's very stubborn. He doesn't like people. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I also, I do think there is an understanding with the Guardians that a lot of the threats that they're facing, they need someone like Warlock. Yeah. And it is not easy to find someone like Adam Warlock. And especially given the past Adam Warlock, it makes a lot of sense why they're all trying to get the reborn one on their side. Right. Um, especially Gamora. Of course, he does join the team eventually. It's, you know, and the fact being that he wants their help too to help with these fizzers that are coming around, that these can be catastrophic. It's a matter of we need to work these out. We turn to the universal. Church of Truth. Now they're on their home world of Sacro or Saint. And one of the matriarch's servants, I guess is a good way to put it, comes in and lets her know that one of the ships, one of their flagships, have been destroyed. And of course, she wants to find out who these people are. Um, find out who they are, find out where they came from, then dispatch the cardinals. In the name of the one life everlasting eternal. And of course, he agrees. Now, they're on nowhere at this point. This is their base location. So anybody who's watched the movies, you know what nowhere is. So this is where we get introduced to one of the characters that Mary has said before the podcast, Cosmo. And Cosmo comes up. Of course, he is the head security at nowhere. Um, and you can tell right away, Rocket and him do not get along whatsoever um i like cosmo cosmos is a good character um you want to tell a little bit to the fans a little bit who cosmos is before you well um even peter quill gives it to us says cosmo where do i start he's a relic of the soviet space program who got lost in orbit sometime in the early 60s a full-blown telepath and telekinetic he's nowhere's chief of security and our team's liaison and no i don't know how he learned how to talk cosmo is of course a dog um he is man's best friend he's extremely loyal um and he is desperately wanting to be a member of the guardians of the galaxy um now at this point in time we also get met by two other members of the guardian one that's actually trying to heal from all the events that just happened because he's pretty much destroyed which everybody knows and loves Groot, and mantis 
who's the one helping him. Now, this is where you're going to find out a lot about Mantis. She is an active field agent. Um, her role is supportive. And pretty much she states, in twenty when they're still trying to fight over a team, they come up with a whole bunch of names. Mantis comes out on a debrief and states, in 24 hours' time, the team will agree on the Guardians of the Galaxy. It would be an abuse of my precognition to tell them this. Time and reality must be allowed to run their course. And pretty much if I attempt to inform or warn or manipulate even on a matter as insequential as a name, it could damage cosmic harmony. For the same reason, I cannot tell them that nine months from now, they will be betrayed and killed by one of their own. So we're going to see this. I know this is something Mary and I have discussed that this is something we love and we also hate about Mantis because why are you really on a team like this if you can't really help them like this either other than and I think what she chooses to keep to herself is also something that makes or breaks at this point in time um, they go to Warlocks he's noticing another fizzer happening and they look at the radar and of course we get to zoom in a little bit more what's going on and in a little little asteroid, it's filled with ice, everything. All of a sudden, we see a picture or a panel of Captain America's shield. Now, this will play a big part in next issue because this does end issue one. Um, Mary, you want to go ahead and take the mic and go into issue two. Yeah, um, I will also say that the Captain America shield is also a reference to an older Guardians of the Galaxy storyline, the quest for the shield. Um, this is, of course, Dan Abnett being the goat and actually having read Guardians comics. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, of course, so naturally, we're next seeing them suit up to go back out after they've seen this new Fisher. Um, and Warlock tells them we are dropping directly into a region where space time is tearing apart. Conditions are likely to be unsettling. And then they end up on what looks like a floating iceberg. And Warlock says, I'm surprised the fissure isn't already in decay. Something is aggravating it and making it worse. And pretty much all the rest of them understand, aside from Warlock, because he's the only one who really sort of knows what's going on with these fissures, is Annihilation damaged the universe badly, bits of it are falling apart, and we're the Jokers who get to patch the holes up. So kind of essentially um, the universe has PTSD and is one bad day from completely falling apart. And we see Drax tasting the ice, um, which is giving me superheroes in the 70s testing mysterious white powders. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Um, this Quasar asks, frozen is what? And Drax says, time. He says, uh-huh, old, old, frozen time. And she says, right, and that tastes like what? <laughs> he says, regret. She asks if anyone else has a sensible answer, because Drax just went existential on her. And Adam's like, no, he's right. The mass is encased in limbo ice. This chunk of rock has passed through the deepest and coldest extra-dimensional voids imaginable. And they don't want any surprises. We once again see a close-up of Cap's shield. Um, Phyla says, I'm sensing artificial structures inside the ice, Peter. The remains of walls, metal too. And she starts to melt the ice away a little. 
and this causes a problem. And Quill says, if I'd known what was going to happen next, I'd have pulled the team the hell out of there immediately. First of all, what they find is a piece of the front gate of Avengers Mansion. Now, we, of course, know that just in 2005, Avengers Mansion had been pretty much destroyed yes. within Marvel Comics. Um, so this is a lot of space-time stuff that's going a little crazy. Mm -hmm. And then a giant space centipede attacks Philobel. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, it grabs her by the throat and she makes a plasma sword to fight it with. Um, Gamora steps in to help. But the thawing process has already begun. And things were entombed in the ice as this rock passed through the void and now they're waking up. And we see cracks happening over Captain America's shield. Um, I believe it's Peter who says this is not going to look good on a resume. Adam, put a everything right spell, maybe. <laughs> Adam's been grabbed. But then the shield bounces off of the ice. A hand we've never seen before grabs it. And we see a hero standing coming out of the ice. It says, my name, my name is, I am Vance Astrovic. I am major victory of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Please, can somebody tell me when I am? And then he passes out. <laughs> um, and they have to sort of defeat the giant space centipede, which they accomplish with what appears to be a massive explosion. Um, it's an obliterating charm. They tell Adam, don't describe it, do it. They have to teleport themselves away from this. And then it cuts to the Universal Church of Truth's homeworld. Um, it's the church's fifth homeworld in as many decades because that's how fast the church spreads. Mm -hmm. And we see the matriarch talking to one of the cardinals. One of our temple ships was attacked, Ranker. I assume the car I summoned the cardinals because I wish to mete out retribution and penance. And we see that the matriarch is looking to target the guardians of the galaxy to test them and to bring her confirmation. But we don't know confirmation of what yet exactly. And then we see the team arrive back at nowhere. And Cosmo's going, So who is he? Do you know? <laughs> they don't know anything yet. And then we see Phyla and Cosmo run into Drax in the marketplace. And Drax says he's been in the Continuum Vortex. Phyla asks why, because he's not technically supposed to be there. It's assumed. He says, I forgot to hand in my passport bracelet. You always ask so many questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just sorry. And she picked up some produce at the marketplace because she wants to cook. Um, and she's making macaroni and cheese because um, Heather had once told her that it was one of Drax's favorites. And he says, if you cook, I'll eat. She also tries to talk to him about Heather saying, aren't you intrigued by what we found today? He says, any reason I should be? She says, I don't know, Heather was once an Avenger and he walks away saying, fat lot of good that did her. 
And then we can see the team talking together with Richard Ryder, um, talking about the discovery of Captain America frozen in a block of ice. And Richard says, oh, so you do know your Earth Lord. Is it just me or is this a little too perfect? Is that Richard Ryder or is that Star or Star Lord? Because I thought that was Star Lord there. Oh, is that oh that is Peter. <laughs> when he's not wearing the mask, I can't tell them apart. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's an it's a uniform. Rich. Um Adam says history doesn't repeat itself more, but it sometimes rhymes. So they know this isn't Captain America. Mm-hmm. Because obviously he doesn't look like Captain America, but they really, they really have no idea what's going on. And Rocket says, "Gotta admit though, Guardians of the Galaxy is a pretty cool name." Here we are now, about that twenty-four hour mark that Mantis had mentioned. He says, "Yes, Groot, old buddy, old tree, even better than Groot and branches." We see that C- Captain Victory has woken up. Mantis is going to talk to him. She says, this being is ancient, Peter. I believe that his suit is the only thing keeping him alive in our continuum. He is temporally dislocated. He says, that's how I feel every time we chat, Mantis. What else do we know? She says, absolutely nothing. Um, Here we find that Mantis freaks them out. None of them really know what to make of her. She kind of makes them anxious. Mm-hmm. And Adam is really the only one who's just like, she knows what she's doing. And we see her and uh, Vance begin to talk. And he sa- when she tells him that it's 2008 in the Earth Christian calendar, he says that I'm in the right place at last, thank God. And we have no idea why he is saying this is the right place. And to be totally honest, I don't think he knows. Why he doesn't place he just knows he's very confused he says, i know it was you traveled to us through time through dimensions outside time vance do you know why he says i know it was something really important but no i have no idea and then gamora reaches out to adam and peter says sorry to interrupt but we have a situation there's a fissure detected at binary stasis 12 a dyson sphere parked on the edge of the nebula ring and then we see them alert come to teleport to that location the sun enclosed inside of an artificial shell which is a feat of engineering and this population is listed as 5200 but you can't see any of them the place was being used as a genetic research facility so so i repeat the question where is everybody hiding Jax can tell that something bad has happened there's an incoming teleport, and we are greeted with the cardinals of the Universal Church of Truth, who are demanding that the Guardians prostrate themselves and submit. Adam says, I have no intention of debasing myself before the false idols you represent. They say, very well then. I believe, let the pain begin. So this is where we're really starting to see more of Adam Warlock's views and past on the Universal Church of Truth bubble through. Um, and this brings us directly into issue three. Yeah, so issue three, we're going to go through some really quickly because some of it is just battle scenes after battle scenes after battle scenes. So we're going to kind of describe it to the best of our ability. Um, the debrief, this issue starts off with the debrief, or debrief from 
Rocket. And he states, the elite enforcers of the Universal Truth Church of Truth call themselves Cardinals. I can think of a few other names for them. Anywho, they're powered by belief. The church collects the prayer power of its trillion plus faithful and stores it in, in these whatchamacallit belief batteries. The Cardinals can then draw on that immense power reserve. Basically, that means they can do anything that they believe they can. And that, let me tell you, can stink. Um, the battle does ensue on Dyson's fear. Um, at this point in time, it's just constant back and forth. You see Star-Lord going into action, trying to shoot. None of their bullets, none of their guns are really affecting them at this point. Um, the only one that looks like he's doing damage is, of course, Drax, Gamora, or, or Quasar, and Adam. At this point, because we do see Drax cut off one of the Cardinal's arms. Um, and at this point in time, Adam's questioning why the Cardinals are attacking. And he states, why are you attacking us, Raker? Raker interrupts and says, the church does not engage in dis in disclosure with you, with pagans like you, wizard. Your heathen magic offends me. I believe the purity of faith will overcome your malevolent witchcraft and glasses Adam Warlock back. What also what the cardinal says to Adam Warlock is especially telling, um, because in the first issue we learned that the Universal Church of Truth used to worship Adam Warlock, and now they don't see that anymore, and now they look at him more as a wizard or magic or just a pagan, and and at this point in time, this is where you see Star Lord going down on one knee when he's the cardinal goes i believe flesh and blood is weak when it has no faith bow down and he starts to bow down and now but rocket's the one that notices something's going on outside this and he states hey hey anybody else feel that can you get earthquakes in a dyson sphere all of a sudden you see this rapid green flowing liquid come towards him and he goes rocket states okay not an earthquake but something's about and it. it are skulls yeah just so many skulls now we do turn away from them for a quick second because we go back to mantis and major victory and group and at this point in time they're on nowhere and of course you mantis questions them, of course like hey you've been a member of the guardians of the galaxy and he goes yes and their purpose was to guard the galaxy. I'm guessing I'm really don't remember anything apart from the name. Excuse me, is that the help houseplant you're talking to while she's talking to Groot? He's like somewhat bathing him in some ways. And it's funny because he says, what did he say? And he goes, he said, I am Groot. I'm pretty much all he ever says. But Groot interrupts him and pretty much is stating something. She goes, wait, that's not what he's saying. And when she's trying to get what he's trying to say, a portal starts to open up and out comes another character out of this portal. We know him from the original Guardians team. It is Starhawk. Now, what's interesting about this is that, so Mantis, of course, before we get to the interesting part, um, Mantis starts to engage. At this point, I'm going to protect everybody here. And everything and and but the best thing she states is 
why don't I know why you've come here? Why? Because her whole thing was, and she states it's in her debrief. I had no pre-knowledge of his arrival. The intruder was entirely invisible to my mental abilities. He did not belong to any future that I can read. And, of course, she starts to engage, which she loses instantly. Um, but something interesting happens. So Major Victory does hit Starhawk with his shield. Now, he dates something that's very interesting where he goes, Starhawk, you're Starhawk. How do I know that? But he doesn't have time to talk because here comes Starhawk and he hits him through a ball. We go back to the Guardians of the Galaxy while they're on the uh, Dyson Sphere as this green liquid is flowing through everywhere. Quasar is carrying Rocket in this case. Gamora and Drax are trying to run. Star-Lord is trying to run as well with Adam Warlock. So it's just becoming a lot of problems. And these Cardinals are just have no chance. They're falling into this acid and it's not helping them. Now, Adam comes out and says, it was all 5,200 of them fused into one dreadful biomass. The Dyson Fear had been conducting advanced genetic research. Their work had accidentally opened a fissure in the structure of their own DNA. And Adam continues to state this to Peter, is that I'm just telling you what I can detect. This particular fissure isn't a massive spatial tear. It's a subatomic one. It's inside their genes. It's dismantled them and reformed them into a single entity. I can feel them all screaming. It's too late. When Quill states, how can we do this or how can we put things back together? And they can't do anything at this point in time. Now, Adam continues to state it might have been possible earlier but the biomass has now engulfed at least two cardinals and the belief energy empowering them. That energy is now accelerating the entire biomass to critical. And Quill states a full-on fissure. And he goes, unfortunately. As they try to escape a little bit more and try to come up with a plan on what they could do, they are stopped by the cardinals again. Now, and... One of these cardinals comes out and says, so you used your heathen magic to summon on a daemon against us, wizard. And Adam, of course, says it's warlock. And of course I did it. I, and he goes, it ate two of my brethren. And he says, did you, Quill kind of comes out and says, you did this. The church did this. Your assault to my team turned this crisis into a disaster. Of course, the cardinal states, he blasts him back. Now, he almost... Quill is blasted so far back, he almost falls into this biomass. Um, Warlock does save him, but in the process is stabbed in the back by one of the Cardinals. Now, this is this issue, I believe, is where we're going to find out what their intentions were. And because after he stabs him, he goes, we have, we have what we came for. Prepare for immediate teleport, and they all teleport out the planet. Now, um, at this point in time, the debriefs do continue on. Um, Quasar comes out and says, when we reached them, Adam had nearly bled out. I don't know what kind of blade that they used on him. Peter was hurt. He kept saying, we have to destroy this. We have to destroy this. And Drax continues on and says, sure. I said, destroying always works. Always works for me. 
but the warlock's the one who usually magic nukes these griblies and he continues on to kind of talk about stupid stuff too <laughs> rocket comes out and he goes and i told mean green straight i said plenty no but not enough to bring this curtain down the pretty much the whole thing was can we pick a bomb to help with this situation you know it was probably about then i asked the furry little freak how many bombs he had brought and that's that's when rocket comes out and states what he says we turn back to starhawk and major victory they are literally going through nowhere like nothing their attack of course cosmos is brought in as the chief of security um wondering what's going on and all of a sudden before he could get answers they finally come to a stop after major victory asked him what are you who are you why do i know your name and by the time cosmos tries to reach him as well starhawk teleports out now and you kind of just see this sort of disappointment in major victory's face because he wants to know and maybe this would have given him one of the answers he was looking for and so pretty much i love how even cosmos says mystery comrade you have done enough damage already <laughs> repair crews to continuum cortex now i just love how he calls them mystery you know comrade um so we turn back to the guardians and at this point in time Gabor is trying to fix up Quill at this point, and they're trying to get, he says, I got a plan. This is a Dyson Sphere, a shell with a chained sun at his heart. I try it now at this point in time. It's too late. They need to go before it's too late. And he says, the sun's heat is so intense, it'll roast anything unprotected on the shell's inner surface. You told me that, right, Rockin? He goes, I guess. So we lift the out. You know, of course, he, he's hurting when he's saying, we lift the sun shield, protections the habitable zone, and fry this crater. And ourselves, Peter. And he goes, that's why we got passports. You know, we're going to bug out of here. The plan is somewhat going to plan until their bracelets don't work. Now, at this point in time, they're questioning what can they do. At this point, they're they're freaking out. They open the shield. The sun's frying. That's what they wanted to get the biomass away from. But in the process, now they can't escape. So Quasar shields them, of course, but states somebody's got to go turn the switch off and or back on and get that shield back up. And she states, I'm not sure I can shield anyone. This is a burn. This is burning me out. And quite Gamora, because she has a healing factor, decides to run out of the shell and Quasar protects her. Now, she only protects her for a little bit because by the time she gets to the switch, she's pretty much fried. Now, of course, Gomorrah will make it. It's not that at all. But you can tell she takes on an appearance that she is a burned victim at this point. She is pretty badly, in, she's in bad shape. Um, and, of course, all their debriefs after that is how brave and how selfless and everything. And she comes on the screen with her back turned to the screen and says, now turn these log cams off me, Mantis. Let me heal. I don't want anyone to see me like this. And Warlock states, and the question remains, what exactly was the purpose of the church's attack on us? Now, this is where we find out what their purpose was. 
uh, Ranker is talking with the matriarch. Now, he states, we engaged with them at binary stasis 12. They are capable opponents, matriarch. If I was to face them again, I would ask for 100 cardinals to ensure the swiftest possible pur purification. But he go, she states, but you were not after purification, Cardinal Ranker. You were after verification. Did you obtain it? And he states, I used a hollow fading blade to obtain blood and tissue samples. The results have been processed. And she goes, so it's confirmed. The individual is Adam Warlock. And he says, yes. Then we have a problem, Cardinal. If he is Adam Warlock, what do we have in here? And we see the cocoon of somebody laying on top of a bed. Now, that does end issue three. Um, we probably, us as fans, know probably who this is going to be. It is not Adam. Um, but there is still hints to who it might be. And they don't... And no, no spoilers. <laughs> but at this point in time, too, they don't cover in these first six issues who this could really be. And yeah. so... I'm going to turn it over to Mary so she can take over issue four. Yes, we're moving on to issue four. Um, so this really opens with Starhawk and Major Victory fighting. And we find out that it is security camera footage. Um, it says Starhawk, huh? And it says that would appear to be the attacker's name. It says and he just appeared out of thin air laid you out and went for our guest this major victory you have no idea why he was hell-bent on killing you and he's like no i don't it's like you knew his name but you don't know why you knew that and you don't know why he was gunning for you and poor poor major victory has no idea what is going on and we're seeing people start to accuse him of faking his inability to remember things. And they decide to go check in the cortex to see if Starhawk had managed to ping or piggyback his signal through the cortex when he was porting in. Mm -hmm. And then Mantis has to rush forward to stop them from entering the cortex because it explodes. Adam Warlock is coming in, eyes ablaze, asking how many dead. They're all yelling at him that he needs to be resting. Uh, he's not listening to any of them, which is pretty typical Adam Warlock. I love how and, he's coming in with Quasar's cape around him, too. Like, I don't want anybody to see me, but I'm going to walk in here and get answers. I'm going to walk in here and yell at anyone, everyone until they give me what I want, but they can't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> and they say it's too early to tell if it's by accident or design. And then Cosmo calls him over to see something, and they what they see are scrolls. Yes. Um, scrolls are, of course, the shape-shifting members of the Scroll Empire, who are often at odds with other cosmic forces, uh, most notably the Kree, mm -hmm. um, of which Phyla is related. Um. And one of them is even an enhanced super scroll who are genetically modified scrolls, um, specifically geared for battle purposes, um, scrolls being a warlike people. Um, and their bodies were rever always revert to their original form upon death, 
Um, so even if they've been living in anonymity, um, when a scroll dies, they always look like a scroll. Um, and they now have to try to figure out why the scrolls are on nowhere and what they're trying to do. And of course, when there are shape-shifting spies that blow up part of a ship, there's going to be distrust. And we see Gamora really start to accuse everyone of being a scroll. They, one of them even tries to accuse Gamora of being a scroll. She says, what? I'm a scroll? Why? Because my skin is green? And she hasn't fully healed yet from what happened in our last issue. She says, take a look. Have you forgotten what I did for the team on Binary Stasis 12? Can't believe you're questioning my loyalty. Adam says, scrolls, every time they make a move, this is what happens. Mistrust, fear, and paranoia. And then we are introduced to Gorani and Cyanoshore, who are officials present on Nowhere, who are on the council, who do not want the Guardians on Nowhere. And of course, we find out that Cyanoshore is one of the Luminals. We learn what happened in Nova 8 and 9, talking about the Abyss how awful that went uh, but Sinoshore is a hereditary mantle this is the newer Sinoshore not the one responsible for that incident um and we see that Quill is trying to make peace and he's trying to agree with Sinoshore's demands um which are that the guardians have to stay in their headquarters in in their quarters and not leave and Adam is pissed <laughs> Says, this team answers to no one. That's what we agree. He says, sorry, I'm pulling rank. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bold claim to make in a team with no set hierarchy where you constantly refer to the person you're pulling rank on. But go off. Um, and then we see outside in the marketplace that major victory is getting attacked by the people who live on nowhere. Uh because they want to find out if he's a scroll. Because things started going wrong after he showed up. Mm -hmm. He's asking them, please, not to do this. The fight is broken up by Sinashore. And then Peter says, if you touch him again, I'll turn that baton into a concealed weapon. Spans under my protection. And then Cosmo has to break up their fight. And there's... A lot of tensions. Tensions are running a little hot. And Quill asks Major Victory to stay where he can see him for that reason. And then what we see is Starhawk kind of materialize to watch them from the rafters. We're seeing the team continue to fight with each other over whether or not they should stay in quarters. Of course, Adam does not agree with this decision. And we see Mantis and Quill have an interesting moment. She tells them that the Cortex is also leaking teleport radiation into nowhere, which unless repaired will poison the air, the water supply, and everyone terminally. She also tells him that if they submit to an investigation, the truth may come out. 
He says, truth, she says, you know very well what I'm referring to. She says, oh, right, that. We had to do it, Mantis. I had to get the team together as fast as possible. We couldn't waste time waiting for people to think things through or consider their options. We, and she says, you had me tamper with their minds, Peter. You had me rewrite their thoughts so that they would commit without question to this team dynamic. Come on, Mantis, you make it sound worse than it was. It was just to get things rolling smoothly without. She says, if they find out, all trust will be destroyed. That would be bad enough. But Peter, have you considered what if one of them is a scroll, and we see Drax eavesdropping on their conversation? We next see a council meeting um, where the members of the Guardians are being interrogated. And they're talking about how Drax has been making visits to the Continuum Cortex Chamber, which he's made 26 unauthorized and unlogged visits to a place he is not supposed to be. They're trying to trap Phyla into revealing things about Drax, that he has some sort of plan, that he is a scroll. He's supposed to get Drax to the council chambers to be interrogated. He tries to get Gamora to do it. She's like, he's not here. <laughs> says, what do you mean? She says, I mean, I'm here, and he's not with me. His room is empty. We see the Drax is, uh... Well, he's got a gun. And he is definitely not where he is supposed to be. And that ends issue four. So, at this point in time, we do turn to issue five. Um... Of course, the interrogation of Peter and Quasar are, is still ongoing. Um, and what's stated is as followed. Um, we have dead scrolls in the morgue, physical proof of their infiltration. We have security lockdown and a potentially lethal radiation leak. And now a member of your team is ominously and suspiciously missing. Tell me, Starlord, is there anything you can say right now that will improve my dim opinion on your so-called team? And it's also stated it's not just any member either. The infamous Drax, the so-called destroyer. Of course, you know, the luminals were pretty much continuing on and says, I have been deputized to hunt down and apprehend the being Drax. And Quasar interrupts him and says, no, Drax isn't any part of the Sinisher. He's no scroll. He and he and Starler kind of calms her down and says, I'll handle this, Quasar. Delegate whatever else Drax is, he's my responsibility. Let the Guardians find him. So let my so-called team clear up its so-called mess. And, of course, the Luminals disagree. At this point, it's nowhere's responsibility now. They are going to do what they have to do. And they've already mentioned that they have a strike team going after them. Now, Drax sees the strike team, and he is literally, I guess the best way to say is, you know, how he likes to call himself invisible in Infinity War? Nobody sees him where he's located because he's standing right up on top of the building where their strike team is and watching them walk past him. Now, what I love about Drax here is that you could tell he has a very tactical mind. And the fact being that he looks at all three of these and go, who do I need to take out first? And he gives your opinions and everything. Well, I'm, well we're not going to go too much into his opinions here, but Pretty much, he calls out, like, this guy has this, or he is Bright Storm's the energy caster. You know, Bright Storm's, you know, tough stuff. And, of course, he uses it against the other members. 
Now, he individually, one of them is looks like a Hulk and Korg mixed together. Takes off, pretty much dislocates one of his arms or one of her arms and takes out the martial art master out of all of them. He, of course, the Luminals were calling to see where the status is with them. No getting, not getting answers because Trax's taken all three of them out at this point in time. Now we do turn back to the Guardians, Cosmo, and the Luminals as she states, one of the Luminal states, Drax just put three of my Luminals in intensive care. Be grateful it wasn't body bags, Peter responds. And of course, they didn't take that very well. Um, and Star-Lord kind of mentions to him, we could be helping. You don't, we, you know, we could be helping you. Don't you get that? And he and of course, you know, we could, we could be working together to resolve this scroll infiltration. And they go, may the prophets might me dead the day I ask for your help for help from the likes of you and your dirt bag. And Cosmo interrupts him and says enough. This is going on too far and pretty much states that Star-Lord needs to stay and his team needs to stay. We will take care of the situation. And and he goes, you heard Cosmo, stay. And I was just, I started laughing because of course Cosmo is a dog. So when he says something like this, of course I'm laughing because it's just one of those funny moments. Um, Quasar, of course, tried to be, you know, like, hey, we can't, we, we need to do something. And of course, Starlord goes, don't start with me. Pretty much the whole team is trying to convince Peter that they should be doing something at this point in time to help find Drax because they all know Drax is not responsible for the Squirrel invasion. Now, Peter pretty much tells them that it's bad enough. We've got two, the, two team members AWOL. Mantis, see if you can contact Adam with your. Mintat powers. I don't care what kind of huff he's in. I want him back here. Everybody else, cool your heels. I need coffee. And he just goes in there and Rocket kind of tells him, so we've got some good news. I say good news, cause not because of jubilation. It seems like the nowhere techs are getting the radiation leak contained. So no tumors for this handsome face. <laughs> but and, of course, Peter says that's just one thing. In the plus column, you know, just got to hope Cosmo roots the, these scrolls out sooner rather than later. And he said, and he asked Rocket, is something else on your mind? And he says, you got to be careful, you know, Pete. I mean, this team could unravel. We've only just been put together, Pete. The glue isn't set. Push too hard and you'll bust the team apart faster than you formed it. And, he, and Peter goes, I won't let it happen. Neither will Mantis. And he goes, what does that mean? Nothing. So Peter almost reveals the whole truth right there to Rocket, but calms himself. Now, now we turn to Quasar and Gamora. Now, Quasar is at this point where she feels she has to do something at this point in honor of Moondragon, and she is the one that brought Drax to the team. What's interesting, though, is Gamora fuels her to do it. And that's what I love about Gamora in this case. It's like, sometimes you can't do what a team wants you to do. If you know something's not right, then you need to step up and do something. And that's something that Fela has not done yet. So now, taking it under her own free will, she actually goes after him. And Gamora, like I, I said... I love what she says. Ask yourself what matters more to you, Drax's life or Peter's opinion. Yeah. and. 
and of course she states, tell Peter I'm sorry right after and takes off. And, and Gamora says, of course, I'll also tell Peter you're right. Either we're a team or we look out for each and look out for each other or we're nothing. Now, Mantis is able to communicate with Adam. Now, <laughs> you don't have... <laughs> It's so funny to see because Adam goes, Adam, Adam, you know, and he goes, you don't have to teep so loudly, Mantis. I can hear you. Where are you, Adam? And of course he states, I'm in a cere cerebrum, Mantis. I'm in the dormant core of nowhere's brain. Interesting. Why? Because I have to do something, Mantis. There are fissure collapses in, in progress and we're trapped here doing nothing about it. So it th is the collapse of space-time. And he goes, Peter is out. Or when pretty much Mantis states, Peter would like you back here, Adam states, Peter's out of luck. The Guardians were supposed to be proactive, answerable to no one. Peter has tied our hands in ways that I cannot accept. And Mantis, it's like, you should just get the clue. He does not want to be part of this. And she goes, I, should I tell him that's a no then? Tell him I'm trying to resolve this crisis so that we can resume our mission. And can I tell him how you're prosper or proposing to do that? The Celestial's brain, or brain, this is from Warlock, is effectively dead. But certain ghost functions still function or flutter. I am attempting to commune with the remnants of its mind. I believe the Celestial may be able to detect things that we cannot, especially foreign bodies in its own cerebrum. And, and of course, she questions if this is going to help with the scroll situation at this point in time. And he goes, yes, Mantis, I'm hoping nowhere can flush out the scrolls for us. I think I'm getting something we will speak later again. And, of course, at this point in time, we turn to Drax and Quasar again. Quasar finds Drax. And, of course, he questions... <laughs> How were you able to pretty much sneak up on or you know thanks for the pretty for your to your pretty bracelets you actually snuck up on me and she starts seeing him placing bombs all over the place now of course she's questioning why like she has that fear of he is really the scroll um and what's gonna happen is is that um is that he will do something stupid later, but actually does tend to work. Um, but at this point in time, Peter hears what Quasar has done. He's pissed. He is totally pissed. Um, but they can't go far because here comes Starhawk, but in a form of a woman. Now, of course, the question comes out. I don't mean to seem antisocial, but make some, you know, sense. What do you want? Are you and weren't you a guy last time? And Starhawk states, the future tense is the flux every day. I wake and find I am something new. Male, female, neither both alive or dead. And Gamora says, I hate it when they, when they talk in riddles. Permission to hack the truth out of her. Now, she grabs major victory at this point in time. And pretty much says, I'm so sorry for the sake of the future tense. I'm obliged to destroy you in this place entirely. So you can see there is a connection with these two. Now, we turn to Cosmo. And we find out a very terrible truth with Cosmo right now. And who finds out this? 
it is Adam Warlock. Now, Cosmo, we find out, is hiding scrolls. Not for the reasons you think he is. So, of course, yeah, of course, Adam is going right to the worst place possible that you are hiding scrolls. So you're a scroll yourself at this point. What's caused much kindness to respond, you don't understand, you know, and even Warlock and Warlock and Cosmo's about to go off on each other. They're about to fight because at this point, scrolls are not to be trusted. At this point, he feels that Cosmo has betrayed them. And he goes, you don't, Cosmo responds with, you don't know what you are speaking of. And at this point in time, Quasar and Drax show back up and he goes, You're going to blast me with those bands, Philavel? And of course, Philavel just wants to know what's going to happen. And, and he goes, trust me, it's the only way to be sure I kill everyone then I know. Because we know once the scrolls are dead, they revert back to their normal form. But he's saying, hey, I'm going to kill everybody on this ship or on the Celestial's head because that's how we're going to do it. Now, he does click the button. And everybody does. For like 45 seconds. So, minute 90, I think it is. Yeah. So oh, 90 seconds, a minute and a half, yeah. Minute and a half. So I'm going to turn the mic back over to Mary so she can continue on with issue six. And what we see at the beginning of issue six is we see everyone dead. <laughs> yes. And then we see them wake up. Which is always reassuring. Um, you know, this is comic books. Death isn't really a constant, but it is always nice when they wake back up. And Drax is able to find where the scrolls are having done this. We also see Adam having being forced by Cosmo to understand what Cosmo's motives are with hiding the scrolls. Mm -hmm. We as the audience are not yet privy to this information. No. <laughs> we see Starhawk still continuing to fight Mantis, Gamora, Peter, and Rocket, along with Major Victory. And they are finally able to get Starhawk into custody. They get some try to get Norlocks on her to damp her powers. And then Phyla's trying to contact Peter, be like, hey, listen, uh, Drax just temporarily murdered everyone at the station. <laughs> like, what? Oh, yeah, he used synapse disruptors to render everyone brain dead for 90 seconds. It's like, why would he get the scrolls to reveal themselves? Get a lock on them, delegation habitat level. <laughs> Now the rest of the team is on their way to also go encounter the scrolls. And Phyla is now trying to get Drax to tell her why he's been going into the continuum cortex. Are they running to go tackle a completely separate issue that is significantly more pressing? Yes, this is her priority right now. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and he says, I've been taking trips on my own time looking for a kid named Cammy. She's been missing since the war against the Nihilus. I lost one kid. I've been trying not to lose another. Mm -hmm. she's, she's talking to Peter and she goes, you hear that? 
says, yeah, idiot, could have just told us that in the first place. <laughs> so stay with him, Phyla. Try to stop him from, you know, killing anyone that matters. So, so they enter the room with Adam Warlock and the scrolls and Cosmo. Drax says, put the cannon down. He's like, the dog I just about buy. You? He, like, doesn't want to believe that Adam Warlock has been working with the scrolls. Adam is now trying to get Drax to understand what Cosmo has forced him to understand. Drax is definitely fighting them. We're seeing Adam try to fight Drax with magic. We're seeing Phyla blast Adam. And then Cosmo forces Phyla and Drax to understand. And what we're seeing now is that the scrolls aren't their enemies. Um, the scrolls are preparing for a new brutal and vicious war, and they don't these particular scrolls do not want to be a part of it. They're followers of the martyr Anel, who is the press scroll princess. Um, if you've ever read a Young Avengers comic, you will know her as uh, Teddy Altman's mother um, and the former lover of one of the Captain Marvels. Um, and they deplore the aggressive tendencies of their kind. Um, and the scroll want them dead for their opposition to their schemes of conquest. With Cosmos A, these particular scrolls have been using the Continuum Vortex to help other pacifist scrolls escape oppression. And after each escape run through the Vortex, Cosmo has been forcing them to wipe his memory so that he could not betray them. That's what says Cosmo figure he could not be telling what he was not knowing. <laughs> so they're like, who ruined the Vortex then? And they're like, a weaponized super scroll, an agent of the regime that found their railroad and died trying to shut it down. Philo says, why? And the scroll go, I'm sorry, Kree, what's your question? He says, why are they so desperate to silence you? You're no threat to them. He said, because they despise us. They believe we should stand with them or perish. And they are going to war against the old enemy. Which Philo says, the Kree? And they say, no, the human race. The scrolls have launched an invasion of the planet Earth. And we are now seeing the luminals invade um, this room. A uh, very, very busy room. Um, and Cosmo says, oh, here we go. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And Philo is able to knock out one of them and says, wow, things would be so much better if you knew what you were talking about. Rex says, so we're fighting for the scrolls? Adam says, I'll admit, things are moving pretty fast and common sense does seem to have taken the day off. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we're seeing Gamora, Peter, Mantis, and Rocket come in and he's like, oh, great. Rocket says, any idea which side we're supposed to be on? Peter says, not a clue. So switch your cannon to stun, Rocky. We're going to break this up before someone gets really hurt. And then we're going to worry about who's right and wrong. <laughs> One of the scrolls sacrifices themselves to stop a blast that would have hit Cosmo. Um, and Cosmo says, that does it. That's enough. No more Mr. Nice Dog. Now, Cosmo will hurt everyone. We're able to see the council arguing with Peter. Things is unacceptable behavior, zero regard for protocol or the rule of law. And they're having 
absolutely massive fight, saying, your pet thug Drax killed everyone on this station. And Peter says, oh, come on, wore off, didn't it? Says the Guardians will do everything they can to respect and safeguard nowhere. We're not troublemakers, but we're not going to be jerked around either. The Guardians are here to stay, and they don't answer to you. Get used to it. And try getting your own team in line, Sinister, before you start criticizing mine. Cosmo is trying to apologize to Peter for keeping the secret from him. He says, hey, they wiped your memory each time. No one can blame you if they messed with your head. And we see Peter really trying to rally the team. Um, it's like, we made it clear we answered to no one. He's trying to get Adam to agree with him. Like, Adam, hear what I said? I should have backed you from the start, and I'm sorry that I didn't. And they're all glaring at him, except for Mantis, who's looking at the ground, almost in shame. Gamora says, Strax knows Peter. He told them. He told them everything. Oh, no, Mantis says that. Mm -hmm. And Peter tries to play dumb. He says, what are you talking about? Um, and they all start rounding on him for having Mantis mess with their heads to force the team to work. He even tries to make a joke about it, which pisses off Gamora. She says, please tell me, is there any situation you won't try to get out of by making jokes? You're not as funny as you think you are. And he's trying to justify it. I didn't have time to waste. I didn't have time to ask nicely, pretty please, or persuade, or cajole. I needed good people fast. So yeah, I asked Mantis for a little help, a little icebreaker. Saying, I figured once we were off and running, we'd iron out all the wrinkles. Once we bonded, it wouldn't really matter how we'd come together. I mean, seriously, how else was I supposed to make such a mis mismatched team profile work? And every single one of them was leaving him behind. Saying, hey, didn't we just have a team a moment ago? Where'd that go? Mantis is crying because this is not the way it's supposed to go. This is not the way the future was shown to her. She says, no, Peter, you don't understand. This shouldn't be happening at all. It's the wrong future. Something has changed. Something radical has changed. And with every second, every beat of the present, we are stepping further and further into a future that doesn't belong to us. And you can see Starhawk smirking in her cell and that ends our book club for this month um in the comments on our instagram tiktok and facebook where you can find us at comment talkers um let us know what you think of this story what do you think about dan abbott's run on guardians of the galaxy what is your favorite writer what's your favorite story what did you love about this story let us know we, we want to hear more we want to see where things go you can listen to comment talkers anywhere on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor, along with other platforms, including YouTube. Um, so yeah, please check us out. See what you like about this. Um, we will be continuing on with Guardians of the Galaxy next week as well. So please tune in with that. Um, and as always, my name is Brandon. And I'm Mary. And may comics always be the top of your discussion. <laughs>